things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> I expected a lot of things Saturday night. I really, really did. I was looking forward to it big time. It was hype. No question about it. The event was spectacular. But so was the beatdown I witnessed. And I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people when I say, damn. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you live over the digital airways of YouTube. Thank you, as always, for being with me. We're usually coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 4, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, obviously, thanks, as usual, to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Uh, obviously, the subscribers continue to grow. Thank you so much. We're over 260,000 subscribers and counting. Picked up damn near 10,000 subscribers over the weekend alone. Uh, always appreciate the love and support. You keep it coming. I'm going to keep coming with as well. Make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. And as usual, at the end of every show, I make sure to take your questions, ask them in the YouTube chat, and I'll get to them at the end of the show. You can also call into the SAS hotline at 646-727-0769. That's 646-SAS-0769. We know where I'm starting off today's show. We know. Um, It was a beatdown. It was a beatdown of very, very alarming proportions. Terrence Crawford, the WBO champion of the world in a welterweight division at the time, going up against Errol Spence Jr. Uh, Crawford was 39 and 0 coming into the fight. Um, Errol Spence Jr. was 28 and 0 coming into the fight with 22 knockouts. It was one of the epic matchups that we had been looking forward to. Um, obviously, coming into this fight, it was hyped as the biggest fight since Floyd Money Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. I assumed, and it was, by the way, that it would be a better fight than what actually took place in the ring between Floyd Money Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. But to get this out of the way, to get the very obvious out the way, Terrence Crawford was absolutely spectacular. Uh, when I interviewed him after the fight, he talked about putting respect on his name, and I'll be damned if he doesn't deserve it. He was sensational. Uh, his jab, that sharp jab he was throwing with his right hand, uh, his cross lefts, his hooks, his body shots, everything. His defense was sublime. And after the first round, once he dropped Errol Spence in the second round, he was simply toying with Errol Spence Jr. It was an annihilation. It was an alarming beatdown of epic proportions. There is no way around it. And before I even get any further into it, why even hesitate? Without further ado, who better to talk to than my buddy, 
a legendary trainer in the sport of boxing, an elite trainer. Nobody knows more boxing than this man. I love talking to him. I love doing television with him. I love him personally. He's a friend and the most renowned boxing analyst I have ever known in my lifetime. He's my colleague at ESPN. He's got his own podcast. He's the first call that I made when I wanted a boxing analyst, obviously, to come on and dissect what transpired between Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. on Saturday night. He is the one, the only, Teddy Atlas, and he joins me right now. Teddy Atlas, what's going on, big time? How are you, sir? How's everything? Love you, too. What can I tell you? <laughs> love you, too. Love your family. Uh, you know, I love your sister a little bit more than you, but it's very close. It's very close. Yeah, of course, common sense, her love. You know how she is when it comes to you, Teddy. <laughs> you know how she is when it comes to you. Teddy, I got to tell you this, man. Uh, uh, listen, I love great boxing matches. I don't consider this that. I think it was incredibly lopsided, although it was very entertaining and we get that. I got to tell you, I walked away with a palpable level of sadness uh, considering what transpired. I did not expect it to be lopsided. I did not expect the beatdown that Errol Spence uh, endured to occur. That's what I walked away feeling, incredible sadness. What did you walk away feeling? It was somebody different, what I expected, but different, special. Um, somebody that's one of those... People that Customato, my mentor, used to tell me there was only a few of them. Sugar Ray Robinson, the original Sugar Ray Robinson, was one of them that had supreme confidence that believed this, you just can't beat him. And that that supreme confidence is there's a power to it. There's a there's there's a power that's uh, just like there's a physical palette to your talents. Um, there's there's a greatness to, to that kind of strength of belief. Mm -hmm. um, Reminded me of also where Customato used to tell me the special ones can create it as they do it. Like a Louis Armstrong that can create a new note on a horn mm -hmm. that you never heard before. You just never heard it before. Right. And say, wow, where'd that come from? Or Jimi Hendrix on a string, <laughs> on a guitar, where it, it's never been played before. Where these guys have an ear for something, for music that other people don't hear that they, they, they cannot decipher, they cannot pick up, that that's Crawford. Crawford has an ability to see things, to take himself to places that other people can't take themselves. Yes, he's got terrific physical skills. Yes, he's a puncher. Yes, he's got fast hands. Yes, he's technically sound. His people with him do a great job of preparing him. They, they, they should get credit for that. Yes. All of that. Yes, he's well-rounded, but he's dimensional. He can counter. He can go get you. He can sit in a pocket. You know, he can do all of those things. But the most important thing is that this, this is a guy that sees things that other people don't see. Yeah. That, that it's this part. It's the cerebral part, the mental part, that he can be calm in an uncalm environment and that with they all have talent spence has talent too there's no doubt about it but he's in a cerebral vacuum he lives in a different place it's a different air for these special the same as it is for tom brady when he sees things mm -hmm. that other people 
Michael Jordan, when he sees things others don't see, when they say the game slows down for them, it does. It's like Neil in the Matrix where he sees the bullets coming. The game slows down for these special guys. Yeah, There's other guys with a better arm than Tom Brady. Yeah. There's other guys that are athletic like Michael Jordan, but they're not here. They're not able to be able to see the things, to be able to breathe in that air, that, again, in that vacuum that they live in, where they can do well, things with their talent, okay. execute it, right. that other people that have really comparable talent, maybe, mm-hmm. can't do it. But, Teddy, because l- let me interject. And the reason why I want to interject, Teddy, is because that speaks to the greatness of Terrence Crawford, which you have been alluding to for quite some time ahead of a lot of people, because you've always said he sees things other people don't see. He's got a third eye and not just the ability to see it, but to react quickly to it before you have an opportunity to react. And since he could do that with skill as well as precision and power, obviously that makes him very deadly. So that speaks to his greatness, which is not open for debate. But even knowing that about him, you still never provided an indication coming into this fight that it was going to be as lopsided as what we witnessed. So his greatness is one element to it. What about Errol Spence, who was 28 and 0 coming into this fight? What did it say to you that we saw from him what we saw from him in this fight? Listen, Spence is a good, solid fighter. We shouldn't demean that. We shouldn't forget that. He is. But again, he's in there with a guy that he's got, first of all, Crawford was faster. He had speed. He was fast. Much and everybody faster. said, oh, the other guy's a naturally bigger guy. And I tried to explain to people before the fight when I was breaking it down, I picked Crawford by knockout. And the reason they were saying, well, the other guy's a bigger, stronger guy. He's a naturally bigger guy. I said, that doesn't correlate with power. Size does not connect with power. Punches are born. They're not made. Mm-hmm. And you either have Molecule for molecule, that kind of power, or you know, he was the puncher. He was the guy that was more explosive going into, even though he was a smaller man that moved up three or so weight classes. That that's number one. Number two, speed. You can see the significant difference. Of Absolutely. The speed. Number three, even though he was a smaller man, he had the reach, but he knows how to use the reach. He's got those long arms. He knows how to do it. But what you touched on, that is the icing on the cake. That is the glue that puts this masterpiece together. The timing. Again, he's in a cerebral vacuum where his time, he sees something, where you're just seeing, he sees it where he be, he's the, he's the, he's the guy, the, the gunslinger. Yeah. That you see in the movies that, the, quick, draw, they're, they're, quick draw, quick draw, just quicker than everybody drawing, else. They're about to draw. The two guys are standing off and they're about to draw. And the guy goes to grab his gun. The other guy already has it out of the pistol pointed at him. Mm. That's him. That that really is. And I think that's the right way to describe it because he sees things where his timing, where he could be, there's a little crevice. There's just little little tiny little right. openings 
in a fight. Right. Where same thing in football, same thing in basketball. There's just little openings where he sees those openings. Okay. And he's calm enough to get there before the other guy who who has talent. Right. But you know what he is, Steven? This is what he is for a picture okay. for everyone. Okay. Just a visual. And and I know it's dramatic and all that, but it gets it really gets to the point. He is the terminator. The first Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the first prototype, you saw him. But then in Arnold Schwarzenegger's second Terminator, you saw the guy that could turn into liquid steel. He he was he I was remember a different prototype. That was the second one. He, he was, was a, a different, different prototype. prototype. That was a different was prototype. A, that's him. That and, and it's no knock on the first Terminator. The first Terminator was a hell of a, a, a damn good. And he and he do extraordinary things. That's Spence. Spence let me stop you. Let me, let me let me stop you. Different, I got it. League. I got it. I got it. Let me ask you this. Knowing boxing the way that you do, think about the history of the welterweight division. I'm thinking Sugar Ray Lennon. I'm thinking Tommy the Hitman Hearns. I'm thinking Roberto Duran. I'm thinking Pepino Cuevas. I'm thinking Wilfredo Benitez. I'm thinking Felix Trinidad when he was a welterweight. I'm thinking Oscar De La Hoya when he was a welterweight. I'm thinking Manny Pacquiao. I'm thinking, I'm thinking so many of these guys, obviously with Aaron Pryor, Alexis Aguilo goes like that with junior welterweight, stuff like that. But I'm thinking You're about the- You're naming the right names. I'm naming, naming the, the right, right names. names. When you saw what you saw from Terrence Crawford Saturday night, where is he? As quickly as you could possibly give me an answer to that, because I got a couple of more questions. Where is he compared to those names? The one who stands out of all of them. Floyd Money Mayweather, too. That, of course. Can't forget him. Of course, Floyd, too. The one that stands out that has the ingredients, the, the, the special things that I'm talking about, that I'm touching on, these special characteristics, they all have talent. But the one that is in the places that we're talking about with, with this great fighter, uh, Crawford, Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes. Sugar Ray Leonard. Was, and I'll, I'll throw another X fact, another variable at you. He's a junkyard dog. Yeah. See, that's where people... Vicious. They, they, he, he's vicious. And he's a... Look, with, I, Obviously, we don't mean it's literal, and we're not trying to put the wrong message out there. But again, to be vivid, to get to the point, he's a stone killer. He he's a guy that sees only what he has to see. There's there's nothing else that gets a Customato told me years ago that there was a pro fight, became a world champion. I won't say his name, and he was a real pro. And it has nothing to do with the kind of human being he was, even though this is gonna sound like it influences that. He's they're walking, they're walking out of the locker room. They're going towards the ring, and all of a sudden, one of his, one of the people in his camp, one of one of his corner people, falls, drops, and everyone wanted to relax the fighters. They said, "It's okay. He just fainted. He's all right. We'll take care of him. Go ahead, go up in the ring. We'll, we'll take care of him." As he was walking past him, he looks back and he says, "He didn't faint. He's dead." Mm. The point is that I know I'm getting to those places, but the point that Cus was making is. Very few people have that kind of blindness, that kind of focus, that kind of laser where nothing interferes with the mission. Nothing interferes with their job. They, 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 not whether something, whether they get hit, whether, whether the guy is a monster, nothing changes. 
Nothing influences or impacts them or compromises them in a way that other people get compromised. Okay, I got to go here with you because you and I talked over the weekend after the fight. And it's rare. And I'm going to throw just a couple of names out there. Stay with me for a second. I think about George Foreman beating up Joe Frazier. I think about Felix Trinidad walking through William Joppy at Madison Square Garden. I think about Floyd Money Mayweather destroying Diego, the late great Diego Corrales, God rest his soul. I think about Floyd Money Mayweather destroying Arturo Gaddy in Atlantic City. I was at that fight, God rest his soul. Gaddy's soul. It is rare in the day that I've seen a fighter get beat up the way I saw Errol Spence get beat up. It was so bad to me, Teddy. I sat, to, I sat up there and said to myself, I took into account the car accidents that he's had, the way it shattered his jaw, his teeth, um, the concussions, the retina, uh, because he had a detached retina when he was working, training for Manny Pacquiao. I said he should, he should consider retirement after what happened to him Saturday night. You countered by saying, you're right, but if not that, at least not allow him to box for the next year, considering the punishment he took. For my viewers and listeners out there, I need you to crystallize the kind of punishment Errol Spence endured Saturday night to make that point. You know what takes away from it to your point, and it's the right point, is the human point, is the responsible point, is the sportsman point. It's the point in our business. I always have said over the years when I had the microphone at ESPN that when you go in that ring, you leave that ring with less of yourself. It's a fact. You leave. And when I used to go nuts on bad judging and bad referee and call them out and, and crucify them, people would say, Teddy, why? Why do you take it to that degree? That's why. You go in the ring, you leave the ring with less of yourself. It's just a matter of how much less he left Spence left the ring with a lot less of himself that he'll never get back. That's a fact to your point and the right point, the human point, the sportsman point, the responsible point, a hundred percent. He will never get that back. And that has to be put into account. When you start to talk about nobody wants to take away someone's earning power. No one wants to take away somebody's career. No one wants to do that. But the reality in life, especially in life in a difficult business like this, is that sometimes you do have to think down that road along those lines. And I wouldn't let them get near. a See, here's the thing that throws people off. It wasn't one of those. Bang, lights out, he's no. laying there, the foot's twitching. You no. know, it wasn't one of those. So people say, well, you know, he didn't get knocked out. No, it was worse. It was worse. The accumulative damage that was done round after round. He would have been better off if he got caught flush, bang, one shot, laid down, foot twitched for a minute. We revive him, thank God, he's okay. We get him into his locker room. That, that would have been... 1,000 times better than what he endured. Mm. His, his, his own toughness That's what I feel. put him in a position where he got damaged more and where now there's more of a risk of future 
problems down the road. Yes. He, at the very least, I'll reiterate what you already said, and you were accurate. At the very least, take a year off. And when I say a year off, I don't mean back in the gym in six months sparring, playing around with, no, no, a year off from getting touched in the head. Take take time off. Let him rest. He's earned the time off. Yes. He's he's earned a lot of money. Thank God well, he can take care of his family. He lives life the yeah. right way. Let him let him have yeah. what he deserves. Te- let him have a rest mm-hmm. and a life. Teddy, I got to tell you something. I'm of the mindset. I, I completely agree with you. And, and I'm of the mindset he cannot get back in the ring in December. And, and more importantly, I don't think he should ever think about getting back in the ring with Terrence Crawford. It's just, it's, it would be. Well, I'll tell you right now, Stephen, we have commissions out there, right? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Why do we have a commission out there? Seriously. To protect the fighters. They're Supposed to be to protect, protect the fighters. fighters right? Supposed to protect Theoretically, the fighters. Theoretically, they're out there and some of them get paid by taxpayer money. Some of them. So theoretically, they are out there to protect the That's what it's supposed to be. Protect the fighters. That's the most important thing. What kind of commission yep. worth their salt that, that could call themselves a commission that should even exist as a commission would allow him after that punishment, to fight again in December or okay. anything close to that. I what got commission? you. Teddy, I've got to run. I appreciate this so much, man. Time out of your busy schedule. Thank you so much, buddy. All right? Yeah, I got to run. You appreciate take care of yourself. You. All right, buddy. The one and only Teddy Atlas right here with Stephen A. on the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Let me just reiterate what, what, what Teddy Atlas just said. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no joke. Errol Spence got destroyed. I I mean, it was one of those situations your soul was taken from you. That was a thorough ass whipping. And I don't say that with any pleasure. I don't say that with any, um, anything whatsoever. I love Errol Spence Jr. I thought he had a shot at winning this fight. I picked Crawford to win by decision. I did not see this coming. I did not see that it would be like this. It was that bad. It really, really, really was. And I I just don't know what to say. You know, I expected Crawford to be faster, quicker. I knew that he had the power. I knew all of that. But I want to take a moment to give Oscar De La Hoya some love. I want you all to take a look at this tweet that Oscar De La Hoya had sent out prior, prior to the fight Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Oscar De La Hoya said, quote, what people are not talking about is Spence's jaw. That car accident he's talking about from 2019 where the Ferrari flipped over numerous times, caused damage to all of Spence's teeth. Look at the Ugot. Look at Ugot's wobbling Spence. When they fought, imagine Crawford landing on the jaw. Now, for those of you who don't know, look right here. Here's the video. This is the car accident that Errol Spence Jr. got into in October of 2019. It flipped over. His Ferrari flipped over numerous times. He did not have a seatbelt on. He admitted that he was partying earlier and had drank and got behind the wheel of a car and lost control of the Ferrari of the Ferrari at a high speed 
and it literally flipped over numerous times, ejecting him from the vehicle because he did not have on his seatbelt. They reported that there was no facial fractures or anything like that, but it completely messed up his jaw. And not only did it mess up his jaw, it omitted his teeth to the point where he told the story, came on this show and told the story about how when Ugas hit him, he was looking down. He wasn't hurt, but he thought that his his stuff, his, his teeth replacements had been knocked out and that everybody was going to see that he was toothless for crying out loud, the bottom row of his teeth. This is what he's been dealing with since 2019. But ladies and gentlemen, ain't the only thing that Errol Spence has been dealing with. Did you know that three months after that, after that incident that nearly killed him, that Errol Spence Jr. was in another car accident? He, he reported that he was rear-ended. Did you know that even after that, in December of 2022, some 14-year-old kid stealing his, his parents' car to drive, ran a red light, and ran in to Errol Spence Jr. head-on. Now, they both walked away from the incident unscathed, reportedly. But if you consider those things and you consider the fact that everybody admitted the car accident caused concussions, you consider the detached retina that ultimately Errol Spence incurred when he was training for the Manny Pacquiao fight, where you consider that he was out of boxing for a year because of a plethora of those injuries. All right. I ain't even bring up his leg injury from the car accident either. And then you get into the ring against Terrence Crawford and you're subjected to that kind of beating. That kind of beating, that's why Stephen A. Smith is talking about potential retirement. That's why Teddy Atlas was just on, the, on, on, on this show for a few minutes talking about, at the very least, do not fight for a year. Don't spar with anybody. Don't take any shots to the head. You damn sure shouldn't get in the ring against Terrence Crawford. A matter of fact, let me make a plea over the international digital airwaves of YouTube. Let me make a plea right now to Terrence Crawford. I understand you just beat him. You beat him thoroughly. You're the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. The WBO, the WBA, the WBC, the IBF titles all belong to you because you took his three belts to add to your WBO title. I get that. But you hugged him after the fight for a reason. You talked about being relatively decent coming into the fight for a reason when both parties representing both sides was busy acting all up and you had to tell him to calm down and be careful because it doesn't need to escalate into something it doesn't need to escalate into. Okay? I am making a plea to Terrence Crawford. Even if you elect to give Errol Spence Jr. a rematch, please do not do this. For at least a year. Don't. Please don't do that. Y'all are cool with one another. You didn't have a promoter. You separated separate ties from top rank. You ultimately called Errol Spence Jr. in the middle of the night one day. You got on the phone with him directly. He was a champion holding three belts. You knew how good you were, but in the same breath, you didn't have that promoter connection. And you needed this brother to step up and give you an opportunity. He did that for you. BBC with Al Heyman and those brothers did that. And as a result, you agreed to a two-fight deal. I know the stipulations. The loser gets to get the mandatory rematch. The winner gets to decide at what weight class. I know about the 147 pound and how you nor Errol Smith Jr. want to fight at that again. I know that you're up, Terrence Crawford, to fighting him at 154. I'm begging you, my brother. 
I'm begging you because I know you got love. And I'm begging Errol Spence Jr., as good as you are, you were just outclassed and, and all of that other stuff. I, Crawford destroyed you. Destroyed you. I say that respectfully because I got mad respect for Errol Spence Jr. I got mad respect. If you were in the hotels where I was at after the fight, I saw numerous members of the Dallas Cowboys, all who flew in to watch you. They were walking around looking absolutely depressed. I'm not trolling the Cowboys. This is not a joke. They were like, uh -uh, Michael Parsons looked like he was ready to cry. Trayvon Diggs could barely lift up his head along with a bunch of others. Draymond Green was in attendance. He's like, they're sad. I was sad. A whole bunch of people were sad. Marlon Wayans was sad. Talking to him. Damian Lillard was sitting ringside with me for the Portland Trail Blazers. That superstar, I want to be a New York Knicks, but to probably end up in South Beach. He was sad. Ryan Clark and my boys for the pivot. I mean, I, I haven't seen Ryan Clark look, look that bad, look that sad in a long, long time. It was damn near like there was a death in the family. That's how thorough this beatdown was. I am begging you, Errol Spence, do not fight for at least another year like Teddy Atlas suggests. I'd ask you to consider retirement because I don't want you to fight this kid, Jerron Boots Ennis, either. Not after the way you look Saturday night, the punishment you took. You shouldn't be taking punches from anybody. Teddy Atlas is absolutely right. But if you're going to fight again and you're going to continue your career because there's money to be made and I respect that, at least take a year off. You got at least $30 million reportedly for this fight. You and Terrence Crawford, you could take the year off. Terrence Crawford, you're the champion. You're undisputed. You want Jamel Charlo, 35-1-1, one one, the reigning 154-pound champion, undisputed champion. You want him, go get him. Assuming he gets past Canelo, which I got concerns about. Please, please do not fight Errol Spence Jr. Errol Spence, I'm going to say it. I'm begging Terrence Crawford not to give you a fight for a year. I'm begging you not to fight for a year. I don't want you to become Meldrick Taylor. We saw what happened to him after that Julio Cesar Chavez loss, which he should have won, but got robbed when he got dropped with just two seconds left of the fight and it got stopped. Ridiculous decision. He was never the same since. You ain't going to be the same either. The best chance you have is to at least wait a year. Terrence, don't fight him. He's in no condition to fight you by December. He's in no condition. I'm begging both of y'all, don't do this. Don't do this, please. Errol Spence will not recover. I say this respectfully and with love. He will not recover if he gets back in the ring with Terrence Crawford by December. And we all, anybody who knows anything about boxing, anybody who watched this fight Saturday night saw it. We know what we're saying. We know what we're saying. Don't do this, Terrence. Errol Spence, don't do this. You don't need any more punishment. Please, don't do this. Not at least for a year. Please, please. 646-727-0769 and 646-SAS-0769. That is the number to call. Um, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Um, one of the things that I want to transition from is Dr. J. Julius Irvin had a top 10 list going on. 
Um, I saw the list. I want y'all to see the list. Dr. J. Julius Servin, the doctor, making house calls, one of the greatest ever. People can hate on me when I give them my list. This is Dr. J. No particular order. Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, the Big O, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, the mailman, Carl Malone, and of course, the late, I'm uh, sorry, not the late, still alive. I'm talking about the great Nate Tiny Archibald, who I love dearly. As an aspiring high school reporter, gave me my first interview. Love him to death. Um, Dr. J. Julius Irvin, mad respect and love to you always. Always some level of deference as well. Respectfully so. Where the hell is LeBron on that list? You know good and damn well LeBron is a top two or top three player in the history of basketball. Why is LeBron James not on that list? Come on, man. That, 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 that's ridiculous. That truly, truly, truly is ridiculous. You got to have LeBron on that list. Okay. Um, I understand Jerry West is a silhouette. Love Jerry West daily. Um, he was a killer. I get all of that. Elgin Baylor on the list. Oscar Robinson on the list of one of those three. Somebody got to come out for Kobe. Nah, y'all pick one. Is it going to be Jerry West who won one title in nine tries? Is it going to be Elgin Baylor who never won a title? Is it going to be Oscar Robinson who had one or two? I mean, we, we going to leave a five-time champion and Kobe Bryant off that list? Really? That's what we doing? I can't do that. I love Nate Tiny Archibald of death. He was sensational. He goes on the list before Isaiah Thomas. He goes on a list before the greatest shooter God ever created and Steph Curry, four-time champion? Really? Really? I, I can't do that. Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward who ever lived, he's not on a list because of Carl Malone? Really? Come on now. Carl Malone was great. The mailman delivered everything except the title. Jordan stopped them twice. Tim Duncan's got five rings. David Robinson never won a ring until Tim Duncan got there. Greg Popovich wasn't a champion until Tim Duncan arrived. And after they arrived, Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and those boys, Tim Duncan was there. In 2014, after losing the finals in 2013, because Greg Popovich mistakenly benches... Tim Duncan, which allowed Chris Bosh to get the rebound off of a LeBron miss, kicks it out to Ray Allen in the right corner, and he switches a three that ultimately prolongs the game and allows them to escape and force a game seven where they ultimately won the title. The next year, Popovich had Tim Duncan on the floor, and they smoked Miami in five games. Tim Duncan don't belong on that list. The greatest power forward ever. Come on, man. And last but not least, we just going to leave Larry Bird off that list? Dr. J. Julius Irvin, I grew up loving you. But I also saw what Larry Bird did to you en route to winning three titles in the 80s. We going to leave Julius Irvin, we going to leave Larry Bird off that list after what he did to you? 
I'm just saying, y'all. I'm just saying. 646 727 and 646-SAS-0769. Um, Real quickly, Brittany Griner for the Phoenix Mercury uh, recently released from prison in Russia and then came back to the NBA and, and WNBA um, and has been playing for them over the last couple of months. She's, she's decided to step away from basketball, leave of absence for mental health. First of all, God bless you. All the best to you, Brittany. Um, if anybody, if anybody, anybody at all has a perfectly logical explanation for needing to step away from basketball to address their mental health after what she endured, it is Brittany Griner. She was imprisoned. I don't care what reason there was, talking about whatever, I don't know what the hell she had. But at the end of it, it was cannabis of some sort, whatever the case may be. Here's the bottom line. She was a political tool that Vladimir Putin and the Russian government used at that time because obviously the United States has been assisting Ukraine in terms of sending them weapons and things of that nature. And obviously Russia wanted to be hardcore about that. And so they imprisoned her. How do we know and how do we deduce that this is what it came to? Because in order to get her back out of prison and back on the U.S. soil, the United States had to release somebody labeled the merchant of death who was an arms dealer that had plotted to kill American citizens in the past. You have a lot of people that have strong resentment towards Brittany Griner because of that, feeling she didn't deserve to be released, particularly for somebody of that ilk who could potentially come back and terrorize Americans, American citizens later on down the road. And they have a, a level of resentment towards her for it. And that level of resentment is something that somebody tried to throw in her face while she was walking through the airport one day and you have stuff like this going on. And the reason why people are so harsh with us is because when George Floyd was murdered and we had all the social justice issues going on, Brittany Griner was one of those people who didn't want to stand for the national anthem. And you have some folks who consider themselves patriots as American citizens that have held that against her and will never let it go and didn't believe that she deserved to be released because of how she acted as an American citizen, forgetting the fact that as an American citizen, you're accorded the freedom to take such a position and it should not be held against you. Nevertheless, she's going through a lot. It's very, very understandable. And because of that, she needs a mental break. I can understand it and I'm sure the rest of you can as well. So let's just accept it for what it is and deal with it. God bless you, Brittany Grind. I hope you're well. Hope you get better. Take it easy. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. In just a minute, I got some news to touch with y'all about. An owner in the National Football League is inappropriate as they come at times. Had something else to say. I got something to say about him. And of course, Cardi B as well. She's made news. Some would say for the wrong reasons. Others would say for the right reasons. Stick around. Don't touch that dial. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Right here on YouTube. Back with more in a minute. 
This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Chilling with you right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Stephen A. Smith Show comes at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live, 1 p.m. Pacific. Obviously, when I want to do additional shows, I can do that. This is what happens when you have your own show. Make sure to like and follow um, the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. That's how you do it. Once again, the subscribers keep growing and growing and growing. I think I picked up about 10,000 subscribers over the weekend alone for crying out loud. Thank y'all so much. The love that y'all show me is greatly, greatly appreciated. The show continues to gain momentum and continues to climb and climb and climb. Thank y'all so much for that. I really, really appreciate it. The number to call up as always for your questions at the end of the show is 646-727-0769. That's 646-SAS-0769. I want to touch on... Colts, Indianapolis Colts owner, Jim Irsay. Owner for the Indianapolis Colts of the National Football League because recently his running back, Jonathan Taylor, considered one of the best in the National Football League, has a year left on his rookie deal. But since he's scheduled to make only about $4.3 million this year, um, playing in the National Football League where one injury can cost you your career, he'd like some level of security. So he's looking for more money or for a, a deal that extends beyond next season. Um, and, and the Indianapolis Colts, specifically owner Jim Irsay, is not uh, interested in being cooperative at all. Um, with, the, with a lot of running backs looking for, you know, $15 million a year or whatever, with Saquon Barkley recently agreeing to about $11 million per year because the Giants were going to franchise tag him. Uh, with Josh Jacobs still looking for his money from the Las Vegas Raiders. With guys, 28-year-olds, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, uh, LeGarrette Blunt still looking for jobs in the National Football League. Uh, Austin Eckler for the Los Angeles Chargers recently conducted a call uh, amongst the running backs. Essentially, the vent complained because they're not being treated fairly. Unlike any other position in the National Football League, it doesn't matter what your level of production is at the running back spot. They just look at your age and they say, hey, this is your contract. We've got you locked up for at least the first four years or so. This is the contract that you are under. And then we look at your birth certificate. And no matter how good you are, no matter how healthy you appear to be, if you are about 28, 29 years of age or what have you, here's the reality of your situation. You ain't getting a long-term deal. And you certainly ain't going to get the kind of money that Christian McCaffrey or an Alvin Kamara in New Orleans are getting. Both of them are the only two running backs in the entire NFL. There's 125 people in the NFL getting paid oh, an average of over $15 million per year. Two of them are running backs. Two of them. That's it. And the average running back in the National Football League is getting paid about $2.2 million. Obviously, second, third, fourth string running backs are on rosters. But the average running back in the National Football League is getting paid about $2.2 million. I'm sorry, like 1.8, I'm sorry. Do you know they get paid on average less than punters who are at 2.2 million? But that's what we're talking about here. Nevertheless, Ursay, the owner for the Indianapolis Colts, spoke on the issue involving Jonathan Taylor. Listen to how this man's speaking about his football player. 
die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. It doesn't matter, you know, who, who comes and who goes, uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. See what I'm saying? He's right. We certainly would have missed Jim Irsay if he was going. Let's get that out of the way right now. We would not miss him if he was going. We wouldn't miss him. But here's the other part. He's right about Jonathan Taylor, too. And that's no shade on Jonathan Taylor. I want Jonathan Taylor to get his money. I think he deserves more than $4.3 million. There was a runner-up for league MVP a couple of years ago. He's spectacular. He's something else. But the running backs are in a tough spot because they can be franchise tagged not once but twice. They got to come into the league like everybody else. They can't come in earlier. They got to do three years in college before they enter the NFL. And as a result of that reality, what happens is, is that they start off their contracts when they're about 23 years old or whatever the case may be, 22, 23 years of age. They play under the rookie deal. And then by the time they're 26, 27 years of age, owners are looking at that like they're damn near ready for a double ARP card and using that as an excuse not to pay them. I've been a proponent of changing it where running backs are only allowed to be franchise tagged once, plus they're allowed to come into the league earlier. And my man Marcus Spears, a.k.a. Swagoo, on ESPN this morning on First Take made a very astute point when he pointed out maybe things would be better if the quarterbacks, who are obviously the creme de la creme and the most valuable pieces on an NFL roster in today's game, Maybe if they collaborated on behalf of running backs and spoke to the owners and spoke to the owners and the players association about modifying collective bargaining rules. So somehow stipulations could be brought into play that would facilitate players getting paid. That's not going to happen in all likelihood, but it needs to happen. I just wanted to show everybody how flippant Jim Irsay was. Clearly an age-old white owner who, by the way, had alcohol issues and other issues, substance abuse issues, mental health issues. He had all of this stuff going on. You see how aloof he came across? How little Jonathan Taylor's feelings mattered in the grand scheme of things? I got you under contract. We're not trading you. You're not going anywhere. So you're either going to stay here and make these pennies on a dollar compared to what you're worth, or you could do it out. And we'll do without you and fine. We won't miss you that much if you're gone. It's no big deal. Okay? I think it's safe to say he, he was neither drunk nor did he look drunk. Okay? And we know he's had his battles with alcoholism and we wish Jim Irsay well. He seemed, he did not seem inebriated in any way. He just seemed like somebody who, who didn't give a damn. And that's a damn shame. Because the likelihood is that there's an abundance of owners who are just like him. Which puts the players in a very unfavorable position. This is why I was so happy when Magic Johnson and Josh Harris and that group captured ownership of the Washington Commanders. I understand why Magic Johnson who only has a paltry share from my understanding. I mean, it's Josh Harris's $6 billion that's really purchased this. Michael, you know, Magic Johnson going to be a part of the mix. And he's going to be a part owner. But here's why Magic Johnson was probably crying when he was crying during his interview on NBC. Because he said it himself as a black man. These opportunities don't come along every day. It meant the world to him. 
See, somebody like Magic Johnson is planning on being in those rooms. Somebody like Magic Johnson is planning on being at the table when the owners meet with one another and convene with one another. Let Jim Ursay have that flippant attitude, that nonchalant attitude, speaking in that way in front of Magic Johnson. This is why diversity is so important. This is why I gave Jay-Z so much hype and I was so mad at people after the, in the aftermath of the whole Kaepernick brouhaha when Jay-Z collaborated with the National Football League and was in charge of overseeing its halftime entertainment during the Super Bowl and stuff like that. It was Jay-Z who was in that room when those owners were saying, we don't need to do anything for Colin Kaepernick. We got black quarterbacks. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got Deshaun Watson. We've got Russell uh, Wilson. We've got uh, Jalen Hurts. We've got all of these other guys. We don't need Colin Kaepernick. And Jay-Z said, oh, yes, the hell you do. We can't do business. Y'all going to act like that. You got to give this brother a chance. Which is why I was pissed off when Colin Kaepernick didn't show up for the workout. Talk about he didn't trust him and they gave him some waiver they didn't give anybody else. Of course, they gave him a different waiver than they gave everybody else because the league never had to conduct a personal workout for an individual player before. Teams do that. But because no team wanted to be accused of being racist by Colin Kaepernick in the event that they decided not to bring him on board, the league had to step in and conduct a private workout for one specific player for the first time in the league's history. Jay-Z helped make that happen. I ain't asking you, and I ain't guessing. I'm telling you what I know. And knowing that, and knowing that backdrop, and knowing everything that was endured, Colin Kaepernick still decided not to show up to the Atlanta Falcons facility and wanted to conduct his workout at a damn high school football field an hour and 20 minutes away. Devoid of any of the technology or the equipment that they use to evaluate players. That's why I told y'all he wasn't going to be back in the league. He, he didn't want to play no more. He wanted to be a martyr. I didn't mean it literally. I was speaking figuratively. Clearly being a martyr was more important to him than getting back on the football field. He and his team were praying that they'd get one workout with a team. 26 teams showed up, but he didn't. Jay-Z being in that room helped facilitate that happening. And if Magic Johnson is in that room when a Jim Irsay is running his damn mouth the way that he did with such dismissiveness and aloofness and devoid of compassion and sensitivity and all of that other stuff where no player should want to play for him, they just want to play in the NFL and if he drafts them or whatever, what can you do? Let people like Magic Johnson and Jay-Z be on the other side of the table when he's running his mouth like that. I bet you he wouldn't do it. I bet you he disguised his feelings a little bit better than that. But I'm happy he revealed it because now we know. It is what it is. We're not surprised. 646-727-0769. That's 646-SAS-0769. Want to transition from that subject to a little bit something about pop culture because Cardi B made news. She was performing on stage over the week, uh, 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 last week in Vegas. and. Um, at Dre's Beach Club uh, when an audience member decided to be ignorant and appeared to throw a drink at her. Uh, as you can see in this video here, look what happens here. Threw water at her. And Cardi B, performing her 2008 hit Bodak Yellow, threw that microphone right at her. 
The controversy here is very simple for those of you who may not know. And by the way, Cardi B does look quite fabulous in that outfit. I just want to say that. This is inside. I mean, I know this. I just know this. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it says here, there was a woman who was struck by Cardi B's mic when she hurled it into the crowd. That woman went to Las Vegas Metro PD the next day to report the incident. She told the police she'd been struck by an item, the microphone thrown from the stage. The mic struck the drink thrower, but ricocheted, according to reports, and also hit another woman standing next to her. It is unclear which one of them went to the cops or if there was any mention of the drink being thrown at Cardi. See, this is nonsense. These are people that are clearly looking to cause trouble. And that way you force a reaction from somebody that is popular, that obviously has a, a, a high level of monetary value and maybe some kind of lawsuit could put some extra dollars in your pocket. That's what they're doing with these people, you know. You got people, I, listen, I have to modify my thinking to some degree. I'm anti-violence. I'm a guy that wants to refrain from violence and all of that other stuff. But my exception to that rule is self-defense. If somebody puts their hands on you or puts an instrument that came from their hands on you, I think you should have the right to beat their ass. Seriously. You know, <clears throat> I was hanging in Vegas this past weekend. And I had a few of my boys with me. You know, y'all saw a couple of them on podcast last week. Um, I didn't have all my boys with me. There's certain boys that I bring with me to have a good time. And I know they're going to have a good time. And they're going to be there about peace and tranquility and stuff like that. My man Spank, that's what he's about. My man Bobby and Cardell, that's what they're about. They talk, talk, talk. But they're about peace and tranquility. You know, um, my brother-in-law, Odie, that's ex-Marine. You know, he could hurt some people, but he's a peace-loving dude. Um, my bodyguard, Juvie, well, good luck. Good luck, you know. Because Juvie's the kind of person that can really, really hurt somebody. And that's his nickname. That ain't his real name. I ain't going to tell you his real name, but his nickname's Juvie. What's that short for, y'all? It's Juvenile. That's somebody that used to beat people's ass when they were younger. And that's how you got that nickname. That's him. I was at a Los Angeles Rams playoff game when I went to the game against the Cowboys. And I was walking through there and I was leaving and somebody was trying to approach me. And Juvie specifically told them, don't come near me like that. I was leaving. The guy literally charged at me. And before I knew it, all I saw was the guy in the air with his legs and his arms swimming like this, falling about 25 feet. Backwards. And that was kind. I don't advocate violence. I'm against it. I oppose it at almost all turns. The almost is applicable when you start stuff. Certain people won't learn unless they get their ass kicked. Ass kickings are required sometimes. And I believe, now again, 
If Cardi B invited folks to throw water at her because it was so hot outside and she was baking and they threw water and she reacted like that, that's different. And that's the subject we'll have to discover because, but in the same breath, I'm just thinking about some of these names. Drake, Drake, remember him? Woman threw the broad at 38 Ds. What'd she do? She get a contract with Playboy. Okay, you got Kelsia Ballerini, Harry Styles, B.B. Rexer, all of these people have been attacked on stage. Monica, she jumped off stage after witnessing someone allegedly assaulting a female audience member in a crowd at Detroit. Miranda Lambert. They got involved when they see behavior they do not approve of. Odell told the audience she'd kill him. They throw something at her. You got people out here that are looking to start trouble and they don't they don't view it. You're a popular figure, so they could just do anything to you. And they throw something at you. You are a defenseless individual when you're on stage. They didn't come to you straight up and threw hands up and gave you an opportunity to protect yourself. They blindside you with this stuff. They deserve to get their ass kicked. So me personally, I don't have no problem with Cardi B throwing the microphone out. I'm sorry it ricocheted off of somebody and hit somebody accidentally, but let's call it what it is. It doesn't require a police report. You're full of it. You're just trying to get paid. But the person that threw the water at her like that, if she did it with ill intent, which obviously Cardi B thought she did, I don't blame Cardi B one bit. Now, I would have preferred that she not done it. She should have sent a security guard down there to knock him upside their head. Too many people getting away with too much stuff. And a lot of people that do stuff, they do it because they're in the crowd. They wouldn't come up with you fair and squarely. They got to blindside you, whether it's figuratively or literally, with the punk asses. They deserve to get beat down. I'm not advocating violence. I'm advocating self-defense. There's a difference. Learn that. Back with your calls in a minute. 646-SAS-0769. That's 646-727-0769. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Don't go anywhere. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Thanks again for joining the Stephen A. Smith Show. Make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube. Click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. Before I get on out of here for the day, uh, I'm sorry for the technical difficulties that have been existing. I have no idea why that has taken place today. So my apologies to you. But in the days and weeks to come, I assure you that's not going to be an issue. Uh, Let's get to the calls before I get on out of here for the day. What you got? Who's there? Hey, what's up? This is Derek in D.C. Stephen A., are you 100% sure that the Philadelphia 76ers don't have Tyrese Maxey on the table and a potential Damian Lillard trade? I'm absolutely 1,000% sure that that is not the case. The Philadelphia 76ers are not giving up Tyrese Maxey. He's 10 years, 11 years, actually. He's 11 years younger than Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard just turned 33 in July. Um, 
uh, this month, rather, two weeks ago, July 15th to be exact. And uh, Tyrese Maxey is 22 years of age. Um, he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He shot about 43% from, uh, from three-point range. The brother can ball, and he's only 22. I can promise you Tyrese Maxey is not on the table for the Philadelphia 76ers to bring in a 33-year-old, even if it is a 33-year-old, is great as Damian Lillard. That is not the reality. Next caller, what's up? Stephen A., this is Jake Papalardo from South Florida. What should the New York Knicks do when it comes to Donovan Mitchell? Should we get him in a trade since we have assets for the trade or just wait till he's a free agent after next season? You should wait. Pat Riley could grab him. The Lakers could grab him or the Clippers could grab him. What do you think? And which do you prefer? Uh, Shut up. Enough. I told y'all stop with these damn dissertations. Don't be calling me and airing two minutes, okay? Don't do that, all right? Not how this works. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show, not your damn show. Ask a question and be gone. Here's the answer. You have to wait for Donovan Mitchell. It would be one thing if you were trading those assets out west to Utah. You can't trade those assets within the Eastern Conference to the Cleveland Cavaliers who now have his rights because they have him. The New York Knicks blew it because Leon Rose wasn't on the phone with Danny Ainge. Instead, he had this guy, Gershon Rojas, former executive with the Minnesota Timberwolves, negotiating with Danny Ainge. And they thought that Danny Ainge was bluffing when he said, we've got an offer from Cleveland on the table. And if you don't give me X, Y, and Z, I'm hearing it was Grimes one minute, RJ Barrett the next, who the hell knows, along with about four picks or so. If you're not going to give me that deal, I'm going to go with Cleveland. The Knicks thought he was bluffing. And he went with Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell had his bags packed. He thought he was coming to New York, which is where he wanted to come because he grew up about 25 miles from the garden. But the New York Knicks didn't handle their business. So because of that, they got to wait now because you certainly don't want to embolden a team within the Eastern Conference. That's problematic. You just beat Cleveland in the playoffs. You don't want to help them beat you, even if you acquire Donovan Mitchell because you trade away everything to get him. Got to wait. Next caller. Hey, Stephen A. It's Joshua from Massachusetts. I was wondering, in your opinion, who has the best NBA bring-up story? Thank you. Bye. The, Nick, the best NBA bring-up story? Um, I don't even know what you mean by bring-up. So guess what? I'm not answering your question because that's another requirement. You ain't going to call here with two-minute questions. Okay, you ain't going to call up here giving dissertations and soliloquies. You're going to ask your question. And last but not least, you're going to make sure I, I know what the damn question is. I don't understand what that question is. I don't know what you mean by it. So since you aren't clear, I'm going to be even more vague. I have no answer to your damn question. Next caller. Hey, Stephen. I got a question for y'all. I am looking to watch a movie tonight. Uh, Any recommendations on Denzel Washington movies? Thanks. Oh, Denzel Washington movies. Well, listen. I'm one of those guys, I, I, I'm a stickler. First of all, first any Denzel movie that I would recommend, the number one movie would be Malcolm X. That's just me, okay? You ask Stephen A. That's going to be the first selection that comes out of my mouth. What I would tell you is, is that when I think about nominations or winning an Academy Award, I think about him in glory. I think about him in training day. I don't like the fact that he was either a slave or a rogue cop in order to win an Academy Award or win an Oscar. I don't like that. I don't like this. It's a bad message. Okay. 
Um, and when we when we represent positive, influential characters like Angela Bassett did in Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2, okay, she should have won the Oscar over Jamie Lee Curtis, who I like, but she damn sure should have won the Oscar. See, this is what pisses black people off, but I digress. In terms of answering your question directly about Denzel Washington, I would tell you, um, I liked um, Hurricane. I would I would I would recommend that. I love them in Hurricane. Um I liked the uh of course I said Malcolm X. Even though I didn't like the road cop stuff in Training Day. Training Day was spectacular. Pelican Bay, when I get through with you, shoot program, 24-hour lockdown. You know, all there. Loved it. Loved it. Um my all-time, I'm taking that back. Malcolm X is number one. My second favorite all-time movie with Denzel Washington in it is A Soldier's Story. Many years ago, A Soldier's Story with Denzel Washington. It is must-see, and he ain't even the star. It's the Sarge. The sergeant in that movie was the star. Spectacular movie. Spectacular. Next caller. Hey, Stephen A. Smith. This is Langston from Phoenix. Did you know that you are the beginning of a song by Kid Cudi called Do What I Want? And the beginning is like, stay off the weed. And it's your, it's your uh, voice. So just wanted to let you know that. So you called to leave a message about what you wanted me to know. I'm so touched. I'm so touched. Obviously, it matters a lot to you. Stay off the weed. Duh. Yes. Even though all of a sudden, all of these cannabis uh, company owners want to talk to me all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously, my position is not as strong now that marijuana has been legalized in various states and the cannabis industry is proliferating and growing before our very eyes. Everybody wants to talk to me. I still am opposed to it for recreational purposes. If you are an athlete, medicinal purposes, no. Recreational purposes, yes. And guess why? Y'all never took this into account as to why. Because people walk around acting like, you know, it calm your nerves, all of that. I said, well, wait a minute. That's what separates the men for the boys. If you somebody that's going to come on the court or the field to play shaking because you nervous because the crowd is there and the opposition is there and the moment it's the playoffs, it's the Super Bowl, it's the NBA Finals or something like that. Nerves are a part of it. If you can remain cool under pressure, that's a part of competition. Why should you be allowed to take substances that quells your nerves and calms your nervous system? If you fidgety under pressure, you ain't made to be in that situation. You shouldn't be allowed to smoke some weed to calm you down. Hey, so y'all, we good. No problem. No, I don't like that. But that's just me. Last caller, what's up? Hey, Steven, Deanna from Ohio. How far are the Browns going this year? Wow. Um... Thank you for the call, Sienna. Um, Cleveland Browns, how far do I see them going this year? I would tell you, not much. 
I don't expect them to be struggle as much as they did last year. I expect Deshaun Watson, who now is back, and you know the suspension is far behind him after all of those women accused him of you know uh, inappropriate behavior. All those masseuse, uh, massage therapists. I mean, what, 22, 25 of them. I mean, damn. Um, but Baltimore re-signed Lamar Jackson, and they acquired Odell Beckham Jr. and they drafted Zay Flowers, and I can't ignore them. I can't ignore Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and, 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 and Joe Mixon and those brothers. I can't ignore Miami and Buffalo in the AFC East, No, nor can I ignore the New York Jets who got Aaron Rodgers now. All right, with Garrett Wilson, with Brees Hall expected to return, with the possibility they might pick up Dalvin Cook, with their defense, which is considered elite. With him having familiar targets in Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, I can't dismiss anything when it comes to the New York Jets. And then, of course, there's Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. There's Justin Herbert, who just got his new $262 million deal. There's Sean Payton in, in, in Denver. And I guess I got to consider the Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that Josh McDaniel has yet another quarterback. And then I got to take into account Trevor Lawrence and how we saw him come back from a 27-0 deficit and knock off the Chargers in the playoffs last year. AFC is loaded. Could Cleveland make some noise, particularly with Nick Chubb and the crew? Sure, but I doubt it. I got Cleveland having a respectable season, but still missing the playoffs. Okay, that's it for today's show. Thank you all for joining it. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, Sorry for the technical difficulties, which were inexplicable. I don't know why they happened, but I'll make sure to do everything that I can to ensure that it doesn't happen um, in the days and the weeks to come. So thank you so much. I'll be back with you on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over the digital airwaves of YouTube, 1 p.m. West Coast Standard Time. Um, Until then, be cool, everybody. And by the way, make sure to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show on my YouTube channel, Stephen A. Smith Show. Click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. See you in about 46 and a half hours, okay? Until then, peace and love, everybody. Be safe. God bless. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.